This week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date, or rather, should we say, this month's episode of Pop Culture Double Date, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus uh, after the Joker, um, mainly because we weren't really sure what we should see next. Um, anyway, we thought we had enough of a break, so we decided to see Charlie's Angels um, over the last few days, and we're here tonight to talk about it. Um, as usual, I'm joined by my crew of Anija, Gerald, and Mags. Say hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, and uh, as usual, this is going to be a full spoilers podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about the plot and any twists therein. Um, yeah, so why don't we get started? Um, as usual, we're going to start with just our initial impressions of the film, our sort of impressions of the film, and whether we think this is a good film and whether we would recommend this film. Um, who wants to start? Um, look, why don't, why, why don't I start? I don't think I've started for a while, so yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. So, um, look, I, I, I found... I wasn't really desperate to see this film, and... To be honest, I, I kind of think we saw this film because it was a... It seemed like a pretty light-hearted film, and we didn't really want to podcast about anything too deep and serious, right? Um, the issue... Look, to be honest, I didn't really like this film very much, um, and I thought it was a really bland film. I think the word... Like, when I left the cinema, the main thing for me was that it was bland, Um it was a bit boring. I didn't. I didn't think the action. It was supposed to be. I think. I think it's supposed to be an action film. Charlie's Angels is supposed to be an action film. Um, I didn't feel the action was particularly engaging. I think in this world where every new action film just continues to like um, one up the last one, this film didn't really add anything new to the action film conversation. Um, I thought the plot was really bad <laughs> I thought and actually the the one of the worst things for me was the dialogue in this film I felt the dialogue in this film and the relationship between the characters it felt like a sitcom so I, I felt as I was watching this film that I was seeing through like an episode of like two and a half men or like three four women <laughs> right like it was it, it was it felt like a sitcom style of comedy the writing wasn't particularly witty or really that interesting um there were moments when i felt like is there gonna be a laugh track here because um yeah it was just it was just the banter i didn't feel like was particularly strong um yeah so overall like i i just found this to be quite a bland film and i think the big um the test for me is like at any point am i gonna look at my phone, right? Like, if a film makes me look at my phone to check what time it is, that's a real bad sign. And I did this a couple of times during this film. So, yeah, I've, I felt that, um, yeah, I, I didn't really love this film, and I don't think I would really recommend that this film either. Um, yeah, who, want, who wants to go next? Those are kind of like my high-level thoughts. I'll, yeah, I'll go next. I, I completely 100% agree with everything you've said. The only thing I guess I'd want to add to that is is um, that, look, I think the movie 
has been made for people that might be a little bit younger than us. So we're in our sort of can we still say mid thirties, mid to late thirties? Just say thirties, Adajo. It's more ambiguous. We're in our thirties, and I think this movie is made for pre-teens or, or te- teens, um, that kind of age group, because it's seriously lacking in adult themes, and I think that's the problem with the plot and the dialogue. It's just kind of lacking in any kind of dimension or complexity or anything like that. I started checking my watch one and a half hours in, and from that point, it was five minutes. So I, I checked it, um, and so it was too long as well. Um, too too long. One final thing I'm going to say about it is my little rant, and I just have to say it. So Charlie's Angels, or the, this business enterprise, it's basically female spies, right? The whole premise is men don't see a female threat coming until it's too late, and so let's have a bunch of female spies together. That's great. The Bosleys of the organization are meant to be people who've climbed up the rank and now like a lieutenant. And so to see a female-dominated organization where all of the spies are female, and yet the people who've climbed up the rank of this organization in order to be lieutenants, of them, one out of four are female and three out of four are male, I thought was a very accurate representation of female-dominated professions and the men who head them in today's world. So at least they got that right. Sadly, as it is to say. <laughs> so that's all I've got to say. Um, Mags, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I agree with everything that um, you and Darren have said. The only thing I would add is um, the relationships between the, the angels. Um, I think by the end we were supposed to be convinced that they were best friends looking out for one another. Um, I really didn't think they'd made much of an effort to build a relationship or a bond between them. And um, this might be controversial to say, but I think the Drew Barrymore version did a better job of that than this movie. Um, True. So true. Yeah. So um, the other thing that I found a little bit on the nose was, no, this movie was meant to be littered with feminist ideas and hints, um, one of which was right at the beginning when they did that sort of montage of um, girls and young women in different parts of the world doing different things. And I thought that that was really misplaced um, and unnecessary, actually, because if you have a movie that can stand on its own with with those ideas, you don't really need something so obvious um, and right at the beginning of the movie. So I kind of felt like that was actually a really big indicator early on that this wasn't really going to be that fantastic or, or do the work that it sort of hinted that it was meant to do. Um, and I, the only other character I think that I, I was thinking about this morning was, you know, the big bad villain um, who, who was in all the car chases. Um, the guy know, who doesn't yeah, speak. To- he, he has, like, yeah, the one guy line. Who speak. <laughs> neck tattoo, neck exactly. tattoo. Guy. Yeah, Boone yeah, from season tattoo. six of Justified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yes, exactly. You stole my, my line, Darren. He had only one line that he um, said right at the end, and it was just to call, what's her name, the, the tall English one, 
a bitch. And that was it. <laughs> the entire movie. I mean, really, there was this build-up all the way to there to hear him say that one word. I mean, it was really unnecessary. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a shame because I really like Elizabeth Banks. So, yeah. 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 Does that guy... I mean, I know this is... A, so, before Jerry goes, that guy who has neck, t- neck tattoo, does... Do you think he looks like a super young Robert Patrick? I was just... I was like, that guy looks like the Terminator. Anyway, <laughs> that was just me. <laughs> well, that, that actor's name is Jonathan Tucker, and he played an absolutely terrifying character called Boone in season six of one of the all-time great TV shows, Justified. Okay. And... To see him, to see him in this movie momentarily, the first time he appears was great. I was like, "This is awesome! It's been from Justified." Um, but the rest of the movie was not good, and as it turns out, neither was he by the end of the film. Um, I think I just found watching this movie a, a sad experience because, like you, Maggie, I like Elizabeth Banks. I think she's capable of doing really great stuff, and she's capable of being funny. Um, and as she demonstrated in, I think, the last two Pitch Perfect movies, she can certainly direct a film. What she can't do, it seems, is direct an action film. Uh, the action in this movie was not very interesting. Uh, they were badly edited, badly choreographed. I think Ella Belinska, who plays the, the tall angel, um, yeah. yeah, brought a great physicality and physical grace to the role and to the extent that she was ever doing hand-to-hand fighting she really stood out but that was it in terms of the action um the car chase was the car chase in the first third of the movie was extremely bland um and uh you know the every attempt at hitting a comedic beat fell flat on its face and like who 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 decided to cast Christian Stewart as the funny one? Like, if there's one thing we know about Christian Stewart, it's that she's just not funny. Like, she's very good at playing the monosyllabic, sullen person who kind of hates the world. And to see her be quirky and funny as if she were Kate McKinnon in Ghostbusters was just really odd um, and jarring and also quite sad. I mean... The, another, another sad note about this movie was just to see, you know, what Christian Stewart was now doing. Like, 10, 12 years ago, if you she, if you had asked anyone who was the most talented of the young actresses of, the, of that particular time, you know, Jay Law or Emma Stone or Christian Stewart, a very good argument could have been made in favour of Christian Stewart, given some of the film heavy film roles that she had taken on, particularly in her early teens and in her pre-Twilight career. But post-Twilight, post-Snow White, and watching her in this, you just think, what an incredible waste of talent. Not that being in a comedy or an action movie doesn't allow you to, like, showcase your brilliant acting talents. She just didn't do that well in this role, right? She wasn't actually that funny or charismatic. I thought that the dialogue really hampered her, right? Like, it's hard to be funny when you're given that sort of really cheesy sitcom-style dialogue. Um, look, I, I look, I, I probably wasn't as harsh um, on Kristen Stewart as Jerry. I did find her to be really stylish. Like, one of the things I did notice was that, like, every time she was on the screen, she, like, she was spunky, right? But it was just the words coming out of her mouth were not... 
visually she looked the part, but like the words didn't really match up. <laughs> I guess that was kind of my view of that. Sorry, Jerry. Sorry to interrupt you. Well, no, no. I, look, I, I agree. I'm actually not. I'm not trying to diss Kristen Stewart at all. I, I've I've long thought that she's a really really great talent, and um, this role just gave her nothing to work with. Um, and so it was just kind of kind of sad to see um, all these people brought together in a movie that just didn't click at all. Um, you know, so I just thought it was a, a tremendous missed opportunity. And, and look, I know Elizabeth Banks in interviews in the lead-up to the release of the film said that there were feminist, feminist ideas embedded throughout the film. Uh, and if there were, then they were well and truly... Hidden from sight because, 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 uh, I was, uh, I mean, beyond, besides the sort of two obvious girl power moments, uh, there was, there was very little in this movie to distinguish it from the last set of, uh, Charlie's Angels movies. And in turn, I mean, the only difference between this and the sort of very retrograde sexual politics of the, of the TV show is that at least, in the movies, both this movie and in the last two, uh, the, the angels wear bras. That's the that's the that's 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 the amount of progress that that that's been that that's been covered by the that's been tracked by these movies because I, I, they're still you know retrograde in terms of their sexual politics. They're still they're still far from uh, particularly feminist in their in their viewpoints. Yeah, well, I, I guess like. Yeah, my view on this is that they've kind of played up this feminist angle, basically, to sell the film. But in reality, this film is written in such an adolescent way that it doesn't really explore any of those ideas beyond, like, men bad, right? Like, you know, there's this very telling scene at the at the end of the party where, um, so spoilers, like, Patrick Stewart plays a villainous Bosley, right? And all of his guys are men. Right, and so there's this really sort of like, I mean, it's fine because this film really, at the end of the day, is not really trying to say anything. But it's just so like, in some ways, it's it's so obvious and on the nose when, like, it's it's like, oh, like all the guys in this organization are men. So yeah, that's probably the extent of the feminist message, and really, that's no message at all. Right, so yeah. It, yeah. I, I think it makes very superficial attempts at this, and honestly, the cynical part of me again is Hollywood using some sort of agenda to sell to market, essentially, right? It's like almost guerrilla marketing of a sort. But yeah, mm. uh, Jerry, yep, keep going. Sorry. Um, no, 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 no. You're absolutely right, Darren. I think I think all the pre-release talk about the feminist ideas tucked away in the various corners of this film was largely marketing. It's the same thing you hear in the lead-up to a Bond film when the actress who plays the the Bond girl uh, gives interviews and says, well, you know, I think my character is a match for James Bond. Finally, he's met his match in my character, and she's like the female James Bond, and she's quite empowered. And you watch the movie, and she is still the damsel in distress that she was in the last 24 movies mm. so I, I think that all that all that pre-release talk that surrounded this movie was was of the was of exactly the same piece and so um 
the movie, far from being subversive, um, was both not feminist enough and too on the nose in the various in the moments in which it it does strive to present some sort of feminist um, vision of the world. I mean, the movie begins with Christian Stewart saying into the camera, women can do anything, which is great, but the movie doesn't seem to follow up on that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I just felt that, like, as Anna just said earlier, it felt like this movie was targeted towards adolescence. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't really... Gerald, um, Gerald, Gerald, Gerald threw food at a pre-adolescent sitting next to us at oh, the really? movie theatre. <laughs> they threw it first. They, they threw it at us first. Gerald picked it up and threw it straight back at them. So that's how dire. Gerald, <laughs> <laughs> that's very mature. <laughs> well, I have to say, when we went to see it, it was a Sunday afternoon, and most of the cinema was full of um, teenagers. And yeah. yeah. Teenage boys and girls. So that was, yeah. That was interesting. That was interesting for me because I did like original. I didn't realize this film was really targeting that that younger demographic. I thought this film was targeting like nineteen to thirty nine, like women and men. But clearly, I thought yeah, yeah. But clearly, the audience that went to see it was was much younger. Okay, so um, so Jerry, would you recommend this film? Probably not, right? From what you've said. Oh, no, that's it's 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 a hard no from me, guys. I think uh, there's there, there's very little that's redeeming about this movie. Okay. Well, look, I, I wanted to discuss one thing about this film that I found really jarring. Um, so, um, so I, I I found that this film, in some ways, tonally was quite flippant. Right, the way the dialogue was written. Um, all the angels are kind of like, like you know, they sort of have banter, and it's like this sort of flippant sort of humour at the situation, regardless of the situation. But one of the things that really troubled me about this film was basically how you would have people dying in quite gruesome and graphic ways, and tonally the way the angels reacted to it was really strange and like almost they used the word collateral damage at one point yeah yeah. exactly so you know they had the bit there was one scene so there was this scene when so the MacGuffin of this film is that there's some device which is like a sort of I don't know endless like unlimited power source thing right and then the device can be changed to a like EMP generator or something like that that can kill people, right? So as part of this film, in order to break out of this lab, you know, Naomi Scott's character changes the power source into an EMP, but there's a man standing next to it, and, you know, she tells him to get down, but, like, him, he's basically been tricked by her up to this point. He's like a security guard. He doesn't really know what's going on, so obviously he's not going to listen to what she's saying, Right. And the EMP goes off, and, like, the last scene is of him convulsing. And I thought it was meant to imply he's still alive, just really badly injured. And then, as they're driving away, they basically say, no, that guy's dead. And they basically make light of the fact that this guy's collateral damage, and they just murdered him. 
And it's never really addressed again. And then there's multiple, there's other scenes later in the film where there's a man who is... Dad, to... <laughs> a guy gets killed in a rock crusher that's in this exact, movie. That's exactly that's what I was... One that's one of the most deaths. Yeah, and they just um, make light of it. One of the most horrific deaths. Yeah. And then right at the end, the 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 guy from Justified gets thrown onto this, gets impaled, right? Like impaled in a party. And then yeah. one of the angels just likes, it stands next to his body and makes idle ch- chit chat with this guy and says like, oh, he finally got the point. And like, I know that it's meant to, like, you know, like some of these sort of 80s action films, they have these, you know, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger you know, like in True Lies or Last Action Hero, he has like those sort of really dumb lines. But tonally, it kind of fits those films because those films never really make an issue out of that. While in this film, they talk about it. They actively talk about it kind of being not right, but then they just are really flippant about it and, oh, don't worry about it, it's fine. Like, were you, am I the only one who was really concerned by no, that? No, you're right, you're right. It's, it's, it's really hard to know what they were going for with that, like what tone they were trying to strike with that. Like, is it meant to be funny? Because it's not. Because that's like slapstick humour with a bit of darkness to it, but that's not what the movie, like that's not the tone of the rest of the movie. Um, is it meant to be feminism? We don't care what, we don't care how many men we kill because that's not feminism. And, <laughs> you know, like, what is this? What's going on? I don't get it either. Yeah. I think the thing with that the thing with that first death is it kind of links into one of the early, very undeveloped themes um, relating to Naomi Scott's character, and that is that because she's a woman working in this corporate structure, and even though she's the smartest person in the room, um, she's not listened to. So she's not listened to by her immediate superior. She's not listened to by the ultimate CEO of the company, Mr. Brock. Um, and she's not listened to by the security guard when she tries to tell him to, 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 to run towards safety. And so I kind of get what was sought to be done with that entire scene. But as the bodies piled up in this movie, um, it just began, began to get a bit disturbing. Like I said, like the rock crusher, the last person in a movie to die, you know, rock crusher was Benicio del Toro's character in the 1989 James Bond movie, License to Kill. And yeah, I remember that that movie is very frequently cited as being one of the worst Bond films of all time, even though I think it's awesome. And But it is cited as, as being particularly bad because it's so violent. And that violence manifests itself in the way, you know, for instance, Benicio del Toro, Toro's character died in a rock rusher. And so to have something like that happen again in this movie and to have it sort of casually shrugged off as, well, you know, one of those things that happens when you have a rough day at work was, like, truly Bizarre. Just, I was wondering if we could get through a whole podcast without Gerald talking extensively about a different movie. But, <laughs> but when, 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 Gerald, when you say that you understood what they were going for, could you spell it out for me? Because I still don't understand what they were going for. Uh, uh, what they were going for was that, you know, women in organisations, despite being often the most intelligent and... Um, sure, sober don't people get there to. just don't get listened so, to. But why did the men have to die and the women have to be flippant about it to I don't make know, that look, point? I don't know why they had to die, but certainly <laughs> I understand <laughs> like, the security guard dying was an example of, hey, here's a man who didn't Should listen to Should have listened. Yeah. Oh, God, this is the super 
official feminism. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the problem is that okay, so the CEO and the and the um her boss, her direct boss, they're pricks, right? So it's clearly made out that they're pricks. And this security guard that dies is made out to be a little bit of a creep as well, right? But at the same time, if you were in his position, regardless of whether you were a man or a woman, you could kind of understand why he wouldn't immediately sort of just do what she says, right? Because he's a security guard that has been looking out, like he's been specifically trying to catch her for the last, you know, 30 minutes or however long it was in this in, in the film, right? And he knows that she's kind of up to shenanigans, right? So, like, in some ways, he's trying to... Like, whether he believes her or not is... You know, it's, it, it makes sense that he wouldn't automatically just sort of listen to her and just do what she says. So, in some ways, them trying to play that sort of feminist... That sort of superficial feminist message, specifically in, that, in this situation, doesn't quite work because... There is a reason beyond the she's a woman that this guard would not necessarily listen to this this lady, right? So, yeah. Um, the the other thing that really kind of got to me was, okay, so you know when they go to the gadget room, they specifically make a huge deal about how they've got these guns that are like tranquilizers, right? <laughs> What yeah. is the whole point of that? Why? Like, they use it once, and then they just start carrying yeah, people. So they, they tranquilized all the men. They tranquilized all the men at the end. So I guess they had to set that up. But I hate those scenes. I hate those here are the weapons scenes. I hate them so much. Don't you remember at the end when they're surrounded by men, and then suddenly they're surrounded by women, and the women have tranquilized all the men, and they've no, got to that, the floor? But that's with the mints, right? They had the gun. Yeah, Remember, the they had the tranquilizer uh, gun. <laughs> so they introduced the tranquilizer gun, and then the moment anything happened, they just were like, "Forget about that. We'll just shoot them or throw them into a rock crusher. Who cares?" <laughs> it was just what? What is going on here? <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Look, is there anything else? Does anyone want to add anything about this film? Um, it was good to see Chris Pang, I suppose, even though, like, he was given a very, very thankless role. Chris Pang is the guy from Crazy Rich Asians who plays, uh, Henry Golding's best friend, right? He plays, he played Colin in, um, Crazy Rich Asians and his Australian Johnny in this movie. I mean, it's nice to, it's nice that a Hollywood movie acknowledges the existence of Asian Australian men. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, like, that was good. That's one. That's one for us. Um, and uh, uh, but again, you know, he was given. He was very. He was given such a thankless, uh, thankless role. Uh, you know, for, he, he spends the first five minutes uh, uttering the most like over the top misogynist dialogue, uh, and then gets made a complete ass of uh, by Kristen Stewart, which is fine. But like. In the rest of the movie, he's he's just he's just a bit of a waste of space. Um, so whilst it was good to see him, and whilst he had truly magnificent hair in this movie, um, <laughs> uh, I, I just think uh, if you were a Chris Pang fan, you you sort of you, well, let's say let's say this this was no uh, this was no Crazy Rich Asians for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, on the on the track. 
capitalizes because since you brought it up yeah. another really funny thing about that and what you said about the tonal problems is that they actually go out of their way to make it clear that the angels try not, not to kill right so they've got tranquilizers there's even like in their pep talks they're kind of told try not to kill anybody and so yeah an awful lot of men die gruesome 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 deaths in a movie where just they make an issue out of trying not to kill so it exactly. is really weird yeah so because tonally Films like the, those 80s action films with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? They never make a deal about people dying, right? The people who die are basically, like, it's made to look like they're almost like video game characters, right? So they never make, they, they, don't, they don't actively go out of their way to never bring up that moral quandary, right? But in this film, they bring it up, and then... <laughs> They still kill people, and so it's it's really bizarre. It's really it's a really bizarre choice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure why Elizabeth Ch- Banks made that choice, but I mean, look, the, the only other thing I would add to this, and I'd like I'd love to get your view, Jerry and Anandra Mags, on this is look, I I found the action to be very bland, but I didn't like. Part of me was unable to process exactly why that was the case, right? Because, you know, in some ways they ticked boxes, right? Like, you know, they have, like, fistfight scenes and shooting scenes and car chase scenes. Like, was the reason why the action was so bland? Because, like, we're just so desensitized to action nowadays? Or was there actually something technically that... Like, I, I wasn't... Maybe I didn't pay attention enough, but was did you guys notice something technically about these action scenes that made them kind of not particularly pop off the screen? They, they felt slow. Um, there was one there was one hand to hand combat scene involving Kristen Stewart, which which felt like it was it was being it was happening at at half pace. Um, now that that that's one example. I think. Um, as I said before, I think all the scenes um, featuring Ella Belinska doing hand-to-hand combat were actually pretty well choreographed. Like she brings, you know, she really does. She really did sort of carry out that aspect of the role really, really well. Um, I think there was bad editing. Like this wasn't complete shaky cam, quick cuts, um, Paul Greengrass style editing, but. Um, and it was easy enough to follow where things were spatially. So the editing wasn't so bad that you couldn't follow what was happening, but it was still fast enough that you, that the sort of choreography very often got lost. So even though you could follow what was happening, because the cuts were quicker than they needed to be, um, the, the impressive choreography in some of the hand to hand combat scenes was lost. Um, and I think in relation to the car chase that happens um, after the cafe meetup, uh, that was just a badly directed car chase. That was just whoever was the second unit director that day completely dropped the ball because, um, you know, in the last 15 years and certainly since the Bourne movies, we have seen very, very many examples of really, really good car chases and motorcycle chases. And this particular car chase was lethargic. It just didn't feel as if it shifted past first gear. So I think, I think there was a, there was, there was something very low energy about a lot of the action scenes. 
I was trying to figure it out too, like why, what is it about the action that's not working? Um, and yeah, I think it is a, it's not just the choreography and it certainly wasn't the skill of the actors. Um, I just think it's a combination of things. I did think maybe it's like the camera work wasn't very interesting. Like they didn't have it at interesting angles and it didn't cut away correctly enough and maybe it didn't match with the music well enough or I don't know exactly what it was, but I was trying to figure it out too because it wasn't as simple as just the choreography was always bad. I don't think the choreography was great. Um, on that car chase, they were just going in a straight line for a really long part of that chase and they were firing at each other and it took like three quarters of the car chase before the glass broke. I just don't even... It was really weird. And one of them had a Gatling gun. One of them had a Gatling gun. I know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Max? Um, I, I was just thinking about, you know... Um, the scene where they go back to they're in Turkey. So one of the things that I found really annoying was they kept jumping locations. Um, they're in one country here, one country near the next scene in a different outfit, which is fine. It's meant to be glamorous and glossy, but it didn't really aid the story in my mind. Um, I think part of it is the action wasn't linked to the story. Um, if you want to create a glossy movie, make sure the action is, is glossy um, and interesting. Um, and some of the scenes, they could have done some really interesting, um, not just choreography, but I guess just interesting stunt work perhaps. Like um, environmental so for, stuff, like with like yeah, in John Wick, so, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like at the stable, for example, you have horses and, you know, you've got Kirsten uh, Stewart as a jockey, you've got um, Jane up in the tower, you've got Elena who's in the in the um the guest booths like they they place them in interesting places so they could have done quite interesting mm-hmm. work but instead they chose to keep it really narrow and confined and the most interesting part of that was Kirsten Stewart standing up on the horse at the end throwing the the ninja star thing um and they left that right to the end why did they do that like they could have actually done a lot more there so I felt like they, in some ways, with some of the bigger scenes, they could have, they went quite conservative. So as, as you said, Anija, the car chase just going straight. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and then like when they went to the, um, back to Angel's HQ after they were stuck in the um, rock quarry, that was quite interesting actually. I thought that they did that quite well, notwithstanding the gruesome um, rock death. Um, mm the Angels headquarters blowing up. I thought that was really predictable. Um, And it's also predictable because that's what happened in one of the Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu movies. So if you're a fan of the franchise, you would know that as well. So was that an homage or was it just they ran out of ideas? So um, (laughs) I, I, I kind of felt like they took the safe option a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, look, I would agree with with you on that predictability thing. Like, the action being really bland, and then the plot itself just... You could smell that, like, the betrayal a mile off, right? The moment... Yeah. It was... It was not... It wasn't particularly well hidden. It was just... It felt kind of cliched. So, yeah. But that's that's a fair point, actually, you make about the action, where they're in, actually, some interesting locales, but the scope of those scenes is just limited and 
like they didn't want to capitalize on it. it it's strange it, it really is kind of strange it's like this is supposed to be an action film isn't it um yeah anyway um does anyone want to add anything else about Charlie's Angels are we done I think we're done <laughs> yeah I, I think we're done I think we're done Okay, thanks everyone for joining us this week to talk about Charlie's Angels. Um, we will be back. We don't know when, but we will be back. Um, we'll figure out what we're going to watch next, and um, yeah, we'll talk about it soon. So thanks everyone, everyone for joining me tonight. Um, yeah, and we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. Bye. Ciao. Bye.